Pastor. We love you and do pray that you will feel the presence of the Lord walking with you and your whole family during this time. We love you very much. You're a great man. Well, good morning, everybody. Those of you that are online, our Fox Island campus, greetings to all of you guys. You made it through 2022. Can you believe that? In 1980, when I was in high school, I remember sitting down at different times on my paper and writing my name and then taking notes and putting the date, 1980, you know. It's like, for the fun of it, I put 2000 just to see what that would look like and thinking, wow, is that ever a long way away? And here we are, <laughs> 2023, man, 43 years later. Isn't that something from high school? I know I look like I just graduated, so I know it's kind of... <laughs> But, uh, geez, it's just it's absolutely amazing. Well, um, as Pastor has shared, every year we get together and we do this thing called 21 United. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here and let you know something that I have kind of a confession to make. And that was last year, I think I could have done a much better job during our 21 United. I really didn't engage myself as deeply and as profoundly as I, in my heart, set out to want to be doing during 21 United last year. I kind of blew it. I didn't uh, probably sacrifice as much as I thought I could. And uh, I don't know, are you with me? Uh, I, I, just, I just feel like I, I didn't do as well last year. And I really apologize for that. And I want to do better. It's my heart's desire this year to do better than I did last year at this to be more intentional in focusing my attention on the Lord and what he might do with me individually. But then yet, I, I'm not losing sight on this too, that there's some corporate expression too that happens as a result of this. And that's a little bit more dicey in the sense that I know I can control what I'm going to do, but God, what is it that you're going to do with y'all, with us all? In what way is he going to lead and sway and persuade and work in us as a group of people? So this 21 United is truly that. It's our individual lives, but it's also the corporate life of what Jesus is going to do with this group of people, you and I together, amen? And so forgive me for not doing as well last year. I commit to do better this year, amen? And if you too failed and didn't do quite as good, Join in with me, and let's do it this year together. Amen? I'm going to use a passage of Scripture that Jesus taught out of the book of Matthew. It's mostly known as the Beatitudes, and perhaps you've read it. So if you have your Bibles, I welcome you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to take a look at what Jesus taught on this issue regarding prayer and fasting. You ready? Are you there? Picking up at verse 5, chapter 6 of Matthew. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray... Don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like that. For your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they, lie, they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father, who knows what you do in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Let it sink deep into our hearts, and let us hear from you, Jesus, today, I pray. And everybody said... Amen. Well, my first point to start off this morning may not come directly, specifically out of this passage of scripture that I just read, but I think it's a very important truth that I want to share with you right now and make note of. When it comes to this idea of prayer and fasting, we really do need to resist the consumer mentality when it comes so easily and slips into us. What do I mean by that? Well, it's if I do this, then I'm going to get that. If I pray and fast, God is surely obligated to meet my needs or my requests or my demands. Remember, prayer and fasting isn't about getting. Rather, it's actually about seeking after the heart of God and humbling ourselves. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, it says, then I will hear, and then I will heal their land. And so uh, it's very easy. I know that I often do that. I come to my time in reading God's word or prayer, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, surely, Lord, you're seeing how faithful I am to be here with you, and thus in return, God, I know that I can be certain that the things that I ask, you're going to bring about my way when I want it. <laughs> right? How many of you guys found out that God's not always on your timetable, and he's not going to be about being told what to do because you think you need it? And that is the most difficult thing because it really challenges us at our consumer levelness. We're taught that from a very early age. Being a grandfather and you get to be another grandfather again, man, I love to spoil the snot out of my grandson. There's, you know, I go to a store and it's like, yep, yep, yeah, go ahead. Yes, you get that, yeah, go ahead. You know, and it's the most awful thing and I get in a lot of trouble because the spouse that I've been married to lets me know that. And so... I probably feed into this a bit, but, but really, when it comes to this time of prayer and fasting, boy, we need to just guard ourselves and, and be very aware that this consumer mentality can quickly come and get us. If you'll notice in that uh, Second Chronicles passage, it talks about humbling. Fasting is really an opportunity of, of humbling ourselves. We're reminded 
that just as much as we are in need of food to physically live, we can make that transference over to our spiritual life and realize that without the Lord and His Word, we can't live. We cannot function. And so it plays side by side. And then I noticed it that he says, pray, and it says, seek my face, not my hand. Some of us come and seek God for his hand, all of what he can constantly give. And I'm so thankful that we have a Father in heaven who knows how to give good gifts, amen? But it talks about seeking his face. You ever had your parents say, look at me in the eyes, look at me in the eyes. And God, I think in prayer and fasting is just saying, hey, look into my eyes. Look, look at my face. I have something for you. Tied to this number point two, tied to that first point, it's really weird. I'm about to talk like Mr. Jekyll, Dr. Hyde, whatever here. The truth of the point is that you are going to receive from the Lord when you pray and fast. You, you definitely will. But here's the key. You're going to receive from the Lord when you pray and fast, but it just might surprise you. You might be asking, seeking one particular thing that you think you need, and the Lord does a setup and shows you what you really need. Does that make sense? And in prayer and fasting and, and spending that time, we give God that margin to speak to us about what it is we think we need, and I certainly would say bring that request to the Lord. There's no doubt about that. But just be willing to be surprised that he might redirect you and say, you think you need this, but this is what you really need. Verse 6 says, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Are you willing to receive in 2023 from the Lord some things that just might surprise you? And they're very needful. Are we willing and open as we unite together to say, okay, Lord, you might see something I need, and I didn't see that coming, but I'm A-okay with that. Number three, public praying must never be for outward show. Rather, I've observed that public prayer really best flows from what's done in the secret place. That's where it begins. And that also includes fasting. I have often seen that really my prayers make more sense when I know that I am praying to the Lord outside of this setting right here. Because it's very easy to pray a prayer here that may not really be the same prayer that's going on in the private place. And so I have found that when I have been around people that lead in prayer publicly, they do so with the spirit of humility. And also I think it's birthed because they knew what it meant to go and close the door in private and cry out to God who sees in private the things that were prayed about. Amen? Number four. We're going to have to be mindful to not allow our time of prayer and fasting to be governed by babbling on and on or by merely repeating words again and again. Jesus warns us about that in verse 7. Um, it's very easy sometimes. In fact, I would almost say, can I just be honest, um, being raised in the church universally in the sense that I've been around Baptists and Lutherans and Methodists and 
Assemblies of God, and now here I am serving at this Foursquare Church. Um, I've really had the opportunity to see the body of Christ in its largest dimensions being raised in the military. My dad was in the Air Force, and so we went to the base chapel, who had chaplains from all of those different denominations. And I have found that sometimes in the Pentecostal church, there's an expression of worship that almost kind of gets to this point a little bit, that if we can only but say it over and over and over and over, and louder and louder, it's as though we're going to arouse God to listen to us. And, and, and Jesus warns us, don't, don't be like that. I liken it to maybe uh, Elijah in, in, the, in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 18. I hope I didn't yell so bad that I disturbed your child. I'm so sorry. Chris, I'm glad it was your child, though, to be honest with you. But I'm just kidding. Love you, brother. Uh, 1 Kings 18, though, it's when the tower, uh, I mean, when, when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, if you'll remember that. And there's a particular part in that where those that were worshiping Baal begin to shout louder. In, in fact, Elijah joined in and scoffed at him and said, why don't you shout just a little bit louder? Perhaps, perhaps, surely he is a God. And so there was some mocking going on because they were about that. They were about repeating the words, getting louder and louder, as though their repetitiveness of words would somehow strike up God's attention in a special way that somehow God would listen to them. Aren't you glad to know that God doesn't need you to repeat yourself over and over? In fact, I believe there are times in prayer and fasting that our very words escape us in terms of being, to ex- being able to express what's going on in our hearts. There are just sometimes words just aren't enough. And there was a song written by a guy named Jeff Moore, Jeff Moore in the Distance many years ago, and he wrote this song called Listen to Our Hearts. And I love this lyric in this song. He says, how do you explain, how do you describe a love that goes from east to west and runs as deep as it is wide? You know all our hopes, Lord, you know all our fears. And words cannot express the love we feel, but we long for you to hear. So listen to our hearts and hear our spirits sing a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. We will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are, but words are not enough to tell you of our love. So listen to our hearts. God knows the language of the heart. He can hear every one of those unspoken words. So be encouraged. He's far more moved by what's going on deep in your heart than the repetitiveness necessarily of your words. Number five. It's going to be a short message. We're going to be done early today. You guys excited about that? (laughs) Number five. Using the Lord's Prayer can actually be an awesome outline and a guide to help us in our time of prayer and fasting. I love it. When you look at it, there's worship there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's an expression of awe and praise to the one who created everything, both in heaven and here on earth. There's right priority in that prayer. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done. There's a, there's a sense of right priority. God, we want this life, we want this world to be governed by the world that reigns above. 
There's provision. Talks about giving us this day our daily bread. How many of you guys know that we are far dependent on God for more than we could ever think or imagine? Just go without water for a while. Go without food for a long while. Go without air and see what happens. (laughs) There's so many great, wonderful gifts that God provides for us on a daily basis that sustains our life. and We have much to be thankful for. There's pardon involved. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. There's protection. There's protection in this prayer when it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so I recommend to you as you read through this passage of scripture in in Matthew chapter 6 and during this next 21 days that maybe you'd often come back to the Lord's prayer and use that as a guide to take you through the various things that the Lord might direct you to and get your attention towards. He is your provider. He is the one who makes provision. He is the object of your worship. He is the one who will protect you and keep you and cover you from head to toe from every attack of the enemy that would try to come at you. So maybe use the Lord's Prayer as that guide in your time of prayer and fasting in the next uh, three weeks or so. Number six, there is no way to escape the truth that in our time of prayer and fasting, we are going to be confronted with our need to forgive those who have sinned against us. When you get in the presence of the Lord, he may remind you that I have forgiven you an awful lot. How well are you doing at forgiving others? Jesus is really clear at that verse of scripture that if you just absolutely refuse to forgive your brother, your father in heaven will refuse to forgive you your sins. Exegete it. Tell me what it says. It's pretty clear how contingent and how important Walking in forgiveness. Now, remember, I think that forgiving others, um, it doesn't always in every way excuse or minimize the horrible, the horrible behavior or negate the logical consequences of what may have been done towards you. But it can release you from the terrible consequences you have experienced because of their behavior. Um, there's a great book that I received for Christmas It was in my Christmas wish list called The Joseph Principle by Stephen K. Scott. He was really a great friend, I guess, with Gary Smalley prior to Gary Smalley going to be with the Lord. And there's a chapter in this book where he talks about, you know, Joseph and Jesus. There's not a whole lot said in detail about how it is they were able to make it through many of the pains and trials that they experienced. We just do know this, that they did go through them, and God did a miraculous work. And one of the principles he brings out in this book and I want to share with you is um, in Joseph's life and certainly in Jesus' life, he, he draws out that they, they suffered some pain. They suffered some hurt at the hands of others. And there was no way of getting around it. He talks about you taking diamonds. In order for a diamond to be created, I think it's coal. You take it and you pressurize it and heat it over a long period of time. And that will turn into what? A diamond. But it won't get there without pressure and heat over a very long period of time. And he talked about Joseph and he talked about Jesus, some of those trials that went on for a very long time in their life. He advocates in the book about taking a look at being a treasure hunter. When you go through various difficult times and experiences, what treasures, diamonds, might the Lord want you to find as a result of going through that experience with somebody? 
He brings out in the book a, a gal who was uh, molested by her father from age 6 to 16 years old. And in that engagement and counseling, Gary Smalley asked, Hey, have you ever given God thanks for your father? That was an appalling thought to her. But he brings her through a conversation about challenging her to take a look at what it could look like to find some treasure as a result of something horrendous and that was very ugly that happened to her. And I want to read to you a little bit of the dialogue that he has with her. And he asks this question of her. Hey, do you ever let your daughters go to a sleepover at someone else's house? No. Never. Why? Because I don't want either of them to be exploited in the way that I was. What if you are good friends with the other family? Nope. I realize that no matter how well I know the family, you never really know what a father, son, or even another friend or relative of that family might do. Gary asks the question, do you let them spend the night with relatives? Nope. But I let my daughter's girlfriends spend the night at our house, and I let their female cousins spend the night at our house. Say you're at a church picnic. Do you keep your eyes on them, your children? Well, of course. They are never out of my sight. Wow. You are both vigilant and extremely protective of your girls. Why? She responds, because I never wanted them to go through what I went through, ever. There it is. We found it. She said, what? Our first diamond. You are wonderfully protective and vigilant parent because of the terrible adversity that you experienced with your dad. Without this treasure, your children could have already been violated. But they haven't been. And as long as they are under your protection, they never will be. I never thought of it like that. That really is a gift. Have you ever met the other women who have been exploited? Oh, yes, of course. Well, how do you respond to them when they tell you their trauma? Well, I cried, and then I hugged them, and, and then I, I, I just held them. Gary says, ah, there are two more diamonds. You've become compassionate and empathetic. In this day and age, those diamonds are becoming more and more rare. And they are true treasures because they enable you to share your love and God's love in a way that's desperately needed by another person. What do you say to them? Usually I say nothing. I just hold them and I cry with them and then I tell them I'm available anytime they need. He says, there's another diamond, listening without lecturing. This is a diamond that even most professional counselors never find. So we've already found four priceless diamonds that are yours because of the terrible things your dad did to you. These diamonds allow you to bless the lives of your children and those that are hurting in ways that people can't. If we prayed right now, do you think you could thank the Lord for these precious gifts and the incredible value they've added to your life? She responded, yes. Could you even thank the Lord for your dad? She responded, yes. I want you to know that forgiving your dad does not in any way excuse or minimize his horrible behavior or negate its required consequences. However, it will release him from his obligation to you and it will release you from the terrible consequences you have experienced because of his behavior. Listen to what the Lord might say to you in this 21 Days of United 
We've all, just for the fun of it, have you guys ever experienced some pain in your life, in relationships, where you've been hurt and someone has sinned against you, said something awful about you, or you were misunderstood in what you said? I think our hands could all be raised up in an emphatic yes. I want to invite you in like this book, in this principle of finding some treasures. What are some diamonds that the Lord might want to show you as you went through that intense, difficult, painful time? Be on the lookout. God may just show you some of that in your 21 days of being united in prayer and fasting. Amen? I recommend that book to you too, by the way. Number seven. And I think we're just about to the end. Amen? We're, it doesn't have to be quite that convincing of an amen. Jeez. <laughs> we're going to have to be mindful and diligent. This is a big one, too. To not allow our time of fasting and prayer to be governed by legalism. But rather, we need it to be guided and informed by the gracious work of God in us individually and then collectively. Amen. Richard Foster, another great book that really inspired me early on in my Christian faith called The Celebration of Discipline. And in it, he covers several spiritual disciplines in the Christian life. And one of them he covers is, is fasting. And this is how he defines fasting. He says, Christian fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. We set these normal functions aside in order to concentrate Basically, that's what we're doing. And as was mentioned in my incredible presence there on the announcements, which I think I'm going to start doing a really terrible job so I don't get asked to do that anymore, but I'm just kidding. Uh, there are some different ways that you can experience fasting. You know, it can be the giving up of media. There are several different things. And I thought this was really interesting that um, Foster mentions the idea of giving up speech, fasting from conversation for extended periods of time. I'm telling you, a candidate for ADAT, me, that is the most difficult thing for me to do is to seek out and to find silence and to just be quiet. I was able to do that this week as we got up to our cabin, but let me tell you, it takes a lot of work for me to get there, but it really does help us to realign and concentrate. Now, I'm going to bring to you guys a challenge. I just said this after saying that we can't let this be governed by legalism, okay? But I do want to present a challenge to you guys this morning. And mind you, I'm not advocating for legalism here. I'm offering you a challenge to consider. And that is that you would consider fasting from food. I want you to pray about that. I obviously want you to seek out the Lord in the coming week here about how he might call you to the fast and what it would look like. And I'm just simply going to say that I think there's a connection to that normal thing that we all do. We all eat. This is the common denominator between a poor person and a rich person is that we all eat. Some of us more frequently than others. But we all get the opportunity to eat or drink. And so to lay those aside, I think it really helps us become mindful of our, our need for the Lord in a way that as we sense our stomachs growling and we go through some of those issues that are related to fasting, it creates something in us. And it's really funny, Richard Foster mentions, and don't be surprised if all of a sudden you find yourself getting really angry. 
He said it may not be just because of the hunger pains and all of what that brings about. It might be that there's a level of anger, a level of something that God wants to bring up to you as a result of you walking away from that normal thing called food and you're setting it aside for the purpose of seeking after the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that media or any of the other things that you may be led to do, but I, I think there's something connected to this idea of food. It, it really gets to you, and, and I'm wondering if God might use that, not in a legalistic way, but in a way to show us how important it is for us to eat, just how important it is for us to concentrate and how much we actually need the Lord in our 21 days of being united. I think there's a connection. As we're dependent upon food and we walk away from that, all of a sudden we find out, Lord, just how much am I dependent upon you for emotional well-being, for my spirit, for my relationships? And the list can go on and on and on of just how much we really do depend and need the Lord. Remember, your decision to fast should be done, of course, under you know medical supervision, a doctor. Some of you guys are diabetics. Man, you got to be careful about that. Make sure that you're checking that out and you know very well what you're able to do. I offer to you these three options if you're going to go this way. Number one, a full, a full fast would be you're just going to drink some liquids. You, you establish the number of days out of those 21s you're going to do it, but you're just going to do liquids. And uh, you're going to just take that time instead of where you have been eating to maybe go set it aside for a time of prayer and reflection and meditation and reading God's Word. Another one could be the Daniel fast where you're eating no meat, oh, no sweets, no bread, oh. but you can drink only water and juice, eat fruits and vegetables. And then there's a partial fast. You could either do the full one where you're just going to give up some meals, but it's basically from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. or from sun up to sundown. I'm just not going to eat, but those times that I do eat, I'm going to set aside for prayer and for seeking the Lord. So just remember what Jesus was teaching here. Remember, this isn't about outward acting. This is about us just saying, God, I want to be under the supervision of your Holy Spirit as I walk away from food for a period of time. I want to be under the supervision and the guidance of your Spirit as I seek out your heart and your presence in this time dedicated to prayer and to fasting. Amen? So that's my challenge. Consider doing food because I think it's directly tied to some deeper things that God may want to do. Obviously now, go pray about it. You have a whole week here to begin to pray. In fact, as uh, 21 United begins next Sunday, I, I want to challenge you to do these three things to get prepared for 21 United. Number one, prayerfully choose that fast. I challenge you to a food fast. I don't have a gun here. I'm not making you do that, but I'm challenging you to seek the Lord for what he would have you do. Number two, maybe prayerfully consider uh, getting a friend to walk with you during 21 United. This would be someone that you could pray together, you could talk together, and you could meet together more than just our times together corporately, but you could like check up with each other on a phone or a Zoom call or meet over uh, juice or water. <laughs> uh, make it your goal and your ambition, here it is, to attend all of the 21 United evening gatherings. We're going to do three of them on the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th. We're going to unite around prayer. We're going to unite around worship. We're going to unite around reflection. And so those are a few things that you can do in preparation for next week. Prayer, pray about what God would have you do in the fast. Pray about maybe inviting someone to walk with you. That's great accountability. Pastor, you always called it what? Uh, um, 
It's a different way of accountability. What did you call it? Um, Peer pressure, thank you, yeah, you know, getting that person to walk with you, it's a form of peer pressure that helps you uh, walk out this. Thank you, Pastor. And then, of course, uh, make it your goal. And part of 21 isn't going to be neglecting those three times of corporately, because here's the key, right? And this is the mystery that I don't understand. There is something to be said that God wants to do with us individually, but here's something else that's interesting, is what will God do with us corporately? As a result of us going through this, what might the community we live in begin to say about Puget Sound Foursquare? What kind of a reputation might we have as a group of people in the community that God has placed us in? So I'm looking for this far beyond just individually what we might be able to get out of this. But corporately, God, how might you shape us and form us? Would it be okay if God surprised all of us? and did something that none of us were ever expecting. But because of that, we're going to be shaped and formed into his image in a way that is so needful for the people in our lives, for the community we live in, and the nation and the time that we live in right now. Amen? Why don't you stand and join me, join me as I close us in prayer. Father, you alone, we give thanks. For 2022, and as we sit on the precipice of this first day, new day of 2023, Lord, with no grandiose plans and not us pointing our finger to you, telling you what to do, Lord, allow us to be on the couch and allow you to point to us and do with us what you believe is needful in preparing us and doing in us and through us individually and corporately what you want done. Father, we want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you have your way. Come, Holy Spirit and have your way in this coming year. Lord, I pray for all of those that even right now, Lord, I think of Lance as we pray for him and his mother and the newborn child, all the various stresses and trials he's gone through. I think of many others in this room today who've come this morning with unspoken pressure. They're in that, they're in that pressure-cooking moment. God, help them to be treasure finders. Help them see the great diamonds, the things that you're showing them. Lord, we commit to you this 21 days of United, individually and corporately, and we pray that you would have your way in it all. We love you, Father, and we thank you for seeing us through one year, and now, Lord, into this year, we grab hold of you. We need you desperately. In Jesus' name.